Anime is a vast and varied medium, and if you're not already familiar, it can be daunting to find something you might be interested in watching. This is a podcast where three average anime enjoyers introduce their uninitiated co-host to their favorite anime touchstones, so he can join them deep in the weeds. This week, we watched Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, an anime based on Masamune Shiro's manga, Ghost in the Shell. It was written and directed by Kenji Kamiyama, with original character design by Hajime Shimomura, and a soundtrack by Yoko Kano. Kamiyama decided to make the anime television series a relative to the manga and film, serving as a separate parallel world from both. Shiro provided plot for several episodes, sketches of characters, and mechanical designs, including the Tachikoma, and gave his approval on scripts before production. The first season aired in October 2002 and the second in January 2004. Both seasons were eventually adapted into feature-length OVAs, and the series received video game spin-offs for the PS2, PSP, and mobile phones. The show was licensed in America by Bandai Visual and Manga Entertainment and was broadcast in the U.S. on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. The series takes place in the year 2030, where many people have become cyborgs with prosthetic body. Primarily set in a fictional Japanese city of Nihama, the series follows the members of Public Security Section 9, a special operations task force made of, of former military officers and police detectives. While the group investigates various crimes, both seasons feature ongoing investigations into two incidents that embroil the group in corruption within our branch within other branches of the Japanese government. We watched three episodes, episode one, episode 12, and episode four in that order. <laughs> Nick, once again, I come to you, Bernie Sanders meme.exe. <laughs> Oh, it's an executable. That's full of viruses. Yeah, we're now executing this. Um, why did we pick the order that we did? So, uh, something that is... Okay. It... <laughs> did I, I mention I have opinions? Uh, I'm sure you do, and that's why I'm looking forward to this. I've been curious about it since you uh, came up with this uh, order. Uh, so, so basically, the, the short, the long and the short of it is like... um. This series is a standalone, is a standalone complex. This, this show is a, a weird, like, it is a thing by itself. It is in, it's not necessarily like a sequel or anything to the other Ghost in the Shell media, but it is sort of in conversation with them. And the, something this show does, which I kind of appreciate and I think it's kind of, uh, pretentious is, if you look at the official names of all of the episodes, they uh, basically there are two sets of episodes within this season. There mm -hmm. are standalone episodes and there are complex episodes. Uh, standalone co episodes are exactly what they say. They are basically like like case of the week, stand singular, single story, no cliffhanger, or anything episodes. Uh, and then the complex episodes is all of the episodes that. Um, deal with the sort of season long plot of the laughing man uh case uh and so one i figured 
first episode, it's there. It's sort of trying to be an introduction in media res of itself, as much as anything in this show explains what it is. Uh, 12 was also a standalone episode, uh, but it is one of my favorites because it is about the Tachikomas and also... I forgot how much there is just like a hard gear shift in the middle of that show. Uh, and so that worked out kind of well, just in terms of like showing the way that this show just loves to change. Uh, and then episode four is the first of the complex episodes. So I thought that was a good sort of, uh, end our watch on the beginning of the season long arc, uh, as like a, a good cliffhanger kind of moment. Um, and that's why those are the episodes we watched. I wondered if that was the reason, because I did notice that. It's like, okay, we have standalone, standalone, and then it's complex. Like, you know, this actually makes a better viewing order than the order that was released in, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really kind of curious to go back and sort of... What is it like if you only watch the complex episodes, and what is it like if you only watch the standalone episodes and almost treat them like separate seasons? Um, I wonder which one... Like sort of like which format actually works better for this series uh, as opposed to the airing order, production order, which was their sort of not even evenly spaced or just sort of shuffled together. You know, we need to build a Patreon because that could be our rewards. <laughs> Here I go again. But I'm, I'm kind of with you on that because I've been thinking about that, you know, since we first decided on this, like one of these days I'll have to sit down and do X or Y. And I was strictly thinking just the, um, complex episodes, but yeah, that would be really a trip to go back and watch one, give thoughts, go back, watch the other, give thoughts. Yeah. See, I think it would work better as a as just standalone episode, but maybe. And then we're not talking about Second Gig today, but Second Gig did something weird where it's actually like three different season long arcs. That are is how they split episodes on which two of the three they look at. It's I got a headache looking at the introduction to that episode list, and I just said, I'm glad we're not dealing with second gig. Yeah, if I remember correctly, 2045 kind of did something along those lines as well. Uh, and man, I got I got feelings about that. And mm -hmm. spoiler, not a lot of them are positive. I, you know. We set out to be like, oh, we're going to show all of our favorite shows. And then yet, the last couple of shows we've done have been very spicy takes. It's just like, no, we have to show you this, but. Well, you know, here's the thing. I think that shows, on, on behalf of the uh, entrenched weebs, you know, growth of person. It's like, this was really great. As you grow older, it's like, hmm. Yeah, I mean, our maybe goal not so much. Our goal was to show touchstones. This doesn't yeah. necessarily mean they're good or bad, but they were important at some point. Fair enough. True. I mean, good, uh, kind of like which is better for the uh, standalone or the complex. It's like, I would argue it's, it depends on what you're looking to get out of it. Because, yeah, I'm, the philosopher in me would love just watching nothing but the standalone episodes. But the person on me that loves a good, like, overarching plot would die for the uh, complex. Mm hmm But that being said... Yeah, so, uh, hey, Bob, what kind of person is in you? Is there a person in you who enjoyed this show? There, uh, that sounds like a ending of the episode question. Sure, sure. Very, very, very leading. I got this. Bob, there are, there are two series in you. 
or two halves of the season are you a standalone and a complex? Which do you feed? Um, <laughs> if I had to say at the start of this, I don't even admit. Because leading into that, given that explanation, really sways my opinion at the end. Really? Okay. Yes. Well, let's uh, let's dive into it because I'm very intrigued to hear this. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what was the first episode we watched? Uh, you tell me. Standalone public security section nine. Section nine. Section nine. (laughs) Yeah, every episode has like a long title and then a short title. Go figure. (laughs) (laughs) And the episode. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. Kind of reminds me of the Dragon Ball Z titles. Like if you watch any of the. Not not the Toonami version or the publicly aired version, but you watch any of the Blu-rays, DVDs, it's like you'll get the Japanese title and then you'll get the very Americanized title. <laughs> so the episode opens with, uh, oh, I don't even think they say what the bad guy did. There's what we would consider a bad guy because he's trying to run away. He gets captured by a very clothing-covered lady happens to be one of our main team protagonists. Uh, he's a major... I don't remember her name. Major Makoto Kusanagi. That's okay. Just Everyone call, just calls her Major. I'll call her Major. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he complains about the state of the police. She's just like, uh, either close your eyes, shut your mouth, or no. It's based. <laughs> Yeah, like, there, there's this moment where there's, like, this running chase, but then it ends with, like, the thing that the show loves to do, which is they have philosophical combat, where they just yell philosophy ideas at each other. And for what it's worth, I, if if I remember correctly, this particular uh, antagonist is just committing, like, base-level tech crime of some kind. There, there was a lot of like jargon between him, he and his compatriot, but a lot of it was just boils down to they're committing pretty much a low level crime, and the major just kind of took this one for free. Yeah, this is kind of like a at the beginning of a Batman movie where there's just like some purse snatchers that Batman comes down and just molly wops. I was just thinking, I was like, the major is just you know more revealing Batman. <laughs> it's but just imagine that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, after you. I was going to say, it's a great introduction, though, to the fact that, like, she has a cyber body and stuff, because they're, like, doing big jumps and shit and landing real hard. Oh, hard agree. I love it. <laughs> to borrow uh, a phrase I hear on here every once in a while, to lift the curtains upon myself. All I know of Ghost in the Shell is the commercials I would see when I watched uh, Cartoon Network or when they had that live-action movie. Uh, well, I yeah. went in not knowing anything about what Ghost in the Shell is about outside of its title and that there are people jumping around. I had no idea what this was. So you going to the the police station and they actually start having this CSI-esque conversation. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, cyber crimes, but not like that. Exactly. Well, kind of like that sometimes. Like that. It's, it's like... A lot of it really came across as crime drama to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. It's uh, to kind of 
give you a point of reference, Bob. I remember when this first came out on uh, Adult Swim, and I was just as lost then as you, you kind of come up with or came across as with this. Like I had no idea what the hell was going on, but I knew I liked it. It was definitely action oriented. It was a bit of crime procedural in there, but there was clearly something more because these they make it very clear. It's like these aren't cops; these are something more. Not quite CIA, maybe closer to like FBI analog. I think they're basically like, what if SWAT team was outside of police jurisdiction? Yeah. Like it's, it, it's not exactly privatized. I believe it is still like a government, it is government. run. Um, yeah. but they are not police. They are not military. They are, they are some sort of like black ops, uh, uh, civil watch organization. Yeah, and as the series goes on too, it's like you get the impression like they're not just watching the people; they're really watching everyone else on their you know counterpart teams too. They're kind of like um twenty four. Yeah, so like anti terrorism squad. I I put twenty four later in my notes, so that's actually <laughs> going to come back around. Nice. We meet uh, Eve Doctor Robotnik because you know. There has to be one of those in every single anime that we watch. Except this is a good guy, I think. And, uh... <laughs> he mentions that there's a situation going on at a geisha house, which, oddly enough, I actually have enough knowledge to know what one of those are. Uh... Yay. But apparently... <laughs> apparently there's a bunch of very important people there who are having a meeting. Um... And so he calls in the special security squad. They go to try and tackle what's going on there. Which is really cool because it sounds like they have some sort of plan for every single situation. Like execute L2 or I forgot which one it was. Yeah. Yeah, or like it was like load out something, something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Get a A2 load out and do this. I'm like, oh man, that just sounds tactical. (laughs) Like, Major is really smart. The three episodes that I watched, she's very uh, together. Even with the third episode that we watched, I found her to be compelling. Yeah, yeah. She she always struck me as like she is one of those characters who is like written to be a badass. Like the show knows she's a badass, um, and I, I think that comes back into play in the in the second episode. Where it's like, oh, you just, like, you were so badass, you defy the regular rules of reality, but, like, okay. Um, like, in, in another, in a version of this show that is, like, a web comic, the major would absolutely be a self-insert character. She's so badass. I don't know. Like, sometimes Ooh. I get that vibe off of her. Okay, so I'm just gonna say this now. That was kind of one of my notes by the end of this, is that... In today, she absolutely would have been, at the very least, the author would have been accused of making this like a self-insert if this was written and made today instead of way back when. Well, I, I think the way that this this show gets around it is it really is more of an ensemble cast. Uh, True. Because, like, like, yes, she is sort of like the leader of the squad in terms of, like, ground operations, but we really do, like follow each person and like everybody's giving little things and a lot of times we're just following her while she's standing around hearing what everybody else has to say that whole listening to thought conversations was a little throw-offy but not in a bad way just like logical 
uh, growing of technology. Yeah, they got yeah. they got hey, Skype in all, the brain. Yeah, we all got upgrades and can talk across our network. All of us, but Togusa. Mm-hmm. Well, no, he's still got that too. So never mind. Yeah, he's got somehow he's well, got that. They, it's still like they a show human. you can plug it into your skin. I think that's what uh, I can't think. Uh, one Armaki. of the police people. Yeah. Armaki. I imagine. He's, I imagine that like comms unit is probably mandatory. Yeah, it's probably subdermal. The next scene we go into, uh, we finally get to meet the band as Major convinces uh, her chief that they need to go rescue uh, these diplomats from whatever's going on at the place they're at. It sounds very vague, but I don't remember why they were holding all these people hostage other than they were diplomats. Um... Well, that was the thing, like, they weren't making, like, demands or anything. It was just yeah. a bunch of, uh, because all the geisha are, were, are robot, or robots. cyborgs. Yeah. yeah. Are they cyborgs or androids? I you know what? I'm going to make that distinction like, now. I yeah, feel like they're, they're just automata. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, they, they have, they have intelligence to, or some kind of personality because later we, we are told he liked, the prime minister likes to body swap when he's drunk. But that still makes them androids, not cyborgs. Cyborgs yeah. still have human components. Yeah. I, I could have sworn at some point in the series that people swapped bodies. But oh, they I'm, do, but they swap it do, with yeah. androids. Digitally. Yeah, okay. Listen, we're, we're getting onto the cusp yeah. of the main point of this show, which is yeah. where does personhood lie? We cannot do that right now. We've just I'm started. Trying to I'm trying to fly over. I existentialism, damn it. But we got to meet everyone, and I I think my favorite person is the guy with the buttons for eyes. Bato! Best boy, yes. Bato. Bato is he's, the best boy. He's fantastic. He's snarky. He's just perfect. He's absolutely the best. You want to know something else, Bob? Mm. If I remember correctly, is that not Chris Sabat that does his voice? Or am I wrong? Uh, uh, let me look at that. I have this pulled up specifically for this. Yeah, oh, speaking of voice actors, by the way, the major is voiced by the woman who was um, Hilda, uh, Hilda and uh, yeah. Julia. Yep. Oh. From Outlaw Star and um, Cowboy Bebop, respectively. Standalone Complex TV series, uh, Richard Epcar. Okay, for some reason I thought it was Chris Sabat, so never mind, I was gonna say, Bob, you just saw Vegeta and Piccolo in one person, but that's completely <laughs> wrong. Oh, I've lost my ear. As a reference, there's a Bulma in this, or, is that correct? Uh, Bulma. Chris Sabat played him in Arise. That's probably what I'm thinking of. And, uh, you had already mentioned... Togusa? Togusa. Togusa, yeah. Yeah, The most uh, human of all the people. Fresh meat. Yes. Untainted meat. (laughs) He's the naked. They they converge on the geisha house. Uh, A little bit of shooty shoots. Uh, I think they end up with one person injured, one person dead. And that's just like first near... 15, 20 minutes of the episode. I think it's like the first quarter, or like third of the episode, essentially. Yeah. And that's where I feel like it very much is like a CSI to me. Or uh, just a crime show drama, as it were. I, I feel like this show basically has three different modes, because there is when they are doing like 
cool Rainbow Six Tech Ops kind of action scenes. Mm -hmm. There Mm -hmm. is the police procedural. We're tracking down clues. We're following up on leads. And then there is the, like, pure... I I don't even know what to call it, but it is, like, um, bureaucracy navel-gazing, I guess is kind of how I would describe it. Like, uh... There's the political social commentary, and then there's the law enforcement social commentary. Well, well, not not even a commentary part, but like we we kind of breeze past it because it is a scene where not a lot happens, but there is a lot explained. The scene where um the You're sitting around the table, yeah, where the police chief and like the military chief, let's go with that, are sitting there and sort of arguing about who is going to take the lead on this rescue mission, and that's mm-hmm. when um Arakawa, I think, is the guy's name, the hey happy looking dude, Aramaki. Sorry, um. That's when Aramaki comes in and it's just like, yeah, yeah. Uh, he comes in and is like, actually, section nine will take care of it. And everybody's just like, yeah, actually, that makes sense. Fine. Go clean up. Um, but like, that is, that is a kind of scene where like, it is a quick conversation, but it is the kind of scene that like a lot is being said, a lot is being explained, a lot is being told and not shown so like major things can happen but in terms of like plot beats shown on a screen it seems forgettable because it is just like the thing shown on screen is a conversation happens but the amount of like information and like group dynamics that are being dealt with in there are like so high like that is something that like it's almost like high fantasy kind of uh, uh, writing, you know, uh, it reminds me a lot of um, uh, who here saw Shin Godzilla? Yo. Yeah. Well, so so that that was a it's show that fun. like, yeah, it, it's it's a Godzilla movie. Yeah, it is. But does he have shins? Eventually, yes. he grows them later. Uh, it's 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 a Godzilla movie, but. Whereas most Godzilla movies you think of the stomping and the fire breath and all of that, it is a Godzilla mm-hmm. movie that is very much about people in government organizations responding to, like, a humanitarian crisis and, like, okay, how do we evacuate? How do we keep phone lines operational while this thing is going on? How is – like, it becomes this, like – um. it's not watching the sausage get made, but it is watching the gears of, like, bureaucracy – and just like governmental organizations, it's watching all of those gears turn and interact. And that is the other third of this show. And this show loves that bit, loves to just show you like heads of different organizations talking. Uh, yeah, it's Bob is essentially the Fukushima disaster commentary. If the Fukushima disaster also had legs, a tail, and breathed fire everywhere. I see. So. But they get in, rescue who they can, leave, and then it turns into, uh, I guess, the procedural piece that you had mentioned, where they're going yeah. over the clues and not everything is lining up. Uh, one of the big wigs had already been suspected of being a bad guy, and they kind of followed him going into a bathroom with a geisha lady, and eventually another guy. And it looked like another girl was going to join them. It was more an issue of they were trying to figure out what happened and why. Yeah, it's like, okay, everyone's out, everyone's safe, now let's figure out 
why what happened the, yeah like mm. why were the geisha holding these political figures yeah because there wasn't a uh ransom or anything it just happened can i say though on, on a viewer level especially uh being much older than i was when i fir- first saw that this episode i appreciate that no one is shocked i like what do you mean political figures went to a geisha house? What? No, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, no, this, this is the Japan, normal thing. In Japan, yeah, like, that's, that's also that's really common. Thing. Oh yeah, I, I know that. I just, meetings at the, like, the fancy geisha house. Color me, color me jaded by, you know, four kids growing up with that <laughs> crap around. I'm so used to that kind of be, or I come from remembering a time when that was so whitewashed out or they tried to cover it up or, you know, kick the dirt over it as it were. And hide under the rug. That's the phrase I'm looking for. It's like, I love that it's just like, no, no, this is what it is. And yes, I understand it's normal. Just, I just appreciate that, that fidelity. Yeah. Through the research, they find out that, bum, 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 brain switch. And the big giant suitcase carried the mental. Prime Minister. Yeah. The mental Prime Minister, of course. Yes. Uh, Everything that makes him him. Or does it? Bum, bum, bum. Uh, anyway. And that was all thanks to the guy with the least uh, mechanical upgrades. Togusa, yeah. Togusa, yeah. they kind of touch on, is that comes the, all the members of Section 9 come from different experience. Um, Togusa was just essentially a, a police detective which we get information that kind of leans into that more on episode four. But yeah, he, he comes from an investigative background where some of these are guns for hire, former mercenaries. I think one was like black market or mafia esque, mm-hmm. uh, hired muscle, Bato ex military. So things like that. So, so this really gives Togusa's purpose and role on the team a real sense of weight. Yeah. And it's kind of appreciable that it gives everyone credence. There's no real weak link. Mm-hmm. Even though they do give him a lot of grief. They they give him but, grief uh, and because he is the most human, I feel like he is sort of the most fragile, so I think the show likes to to have the audience follow him cuz it's just like, "Oh, you're human. If anybody's going to get really hurt, it's you. We can't just replace your parts." Our precious boy. He's a sweet cinnamon roll. With a gun. <laughs> oh, speaking of his gun, I I had to make a note of it. I believe it was in this episode. He, yeah, here it is. When he's at the range. Togus, yeah, when he's at the range. His gun has that same upside down barrel style that uh, Vash the Stampedes did. And I love it. Also, like, there's a, uh, I, I don't, I don't remember if it was in this show, but somewhere in, in this, the, the series is, they talk about, he still uses, like, an out of date revolver, like, it is, mm-hmm. it is, um, it's a six shot revolver. <laughs> but, like, it's obsolete, whereas everybody else is, like, using, you know, semi automatic pistols with, like, different ammunition types. But, like, they do the thing where it's just like, oh, because I'm using the old one, then there's certain things I can do that nobody else can. It's more of a... They, basically, his gun is like the Pacific Rim Gypsy Danger. Oh, my God. Robot. <laughs> <laughs> See, 
so you were describing that, all I imagined was this this revolver sitting on its porch while all the little guns were in its yard yelling, get off my lawn. <laughs> no but country yeah, for old gun. Yeah. Oh. Analog. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, they kind of touch upon it a little bit in this, but uh, I know in the original Ghost in the Shell film, they touch on this. Like, well, why don't you upgrade to this? And he gives, you know, great exposition as to why. And how it, you know, despite the uniformity on a team, it provides him something that people can't, you know, perps can't expect from him. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like I probably should have asked this at the beginning, but uh, of the rest of us, uh, how many have seen the original movie? Yo. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm so lack of knowledge. <laughs> well, I was actually, <laughs> I, I think we should watch the movie at some point, if not. I've watched Next. it 12 times. I don't know what you mean. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, the original movie is such a different experience from this show that, like, it, it's also a touchstone in its own way. Like, I, I honestly, I think the movie was, like, more important than the show was in just, like, the greater yeah. span of things. But, um, oh, yeah. The show's I mean, solid and it, it touches on, like, a lot of the same pieces. It just sort of is a, a, presented in a different format i mean the the original film was so influential that it was one of the inspirations for the wachowskis for the original matrix so yeah, yeah. The, the original yeah. movie did a lot laid a lot of groundwork that is good i i like the matrix it actually falls in my top 10 movies yeah so. good man would be worth it. Two and three, meh. But number one, I can watch on repeat. It's one of the best movies of all time. I'm I'm not afraid to say it. No, I'm I'm with you in that camp. Uh. So, oh. yeah. What's left in the episode? Uh, the episode ends with Section Nine's Doctor Wiley, uh, calling them and having them meet up with the not Prime Minister, Prime Minister. As he tries to fly away on his plane to the North American, blah, 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 blah. The only reason I remember that is, like, of course the U.S. is doing something to screw things up. Uh, yeah, he's going to, like, some conference to give a speech or something. And he has his secret information. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Uh, and somehow they're able to stop his plane because they're waiting on weather that wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he I love accepted that. it. And he ends up getting arrested, or to, yeah, just arrested, not shot, because they had him put his hands in the air and uh, to go to uh, opens up the suitcase and it's like, "Yep, it's a brain, all right." I do like that there was enough. I don't know degree of security is, I guess, what we'll call it. Precaution—that's the word I'm looking for. Enough precaution by the existing government in Japan to give him this barcode reading or barcode read easy document that cannot be digitally copied. That was good. Yeah. And I love that. Like he's constantly getting frustrated, but I also love, it's like, if you're not really paying close enough attention in that scenario, it's like, you're not noticing it. It's just, maybe he's not liking what he's reading. You can't really scrutinize him too closely. If you didn't know what was really going on. I thought that was just really well executed. So, he has that trouble reading it because they already caught on that he was an imposter, and so they gave him like a 
falsified one or like they sp- th- there is a line that says like yeah we're yeah. we're gonna hold him up because the the whole thing is like the reason why he switched bodies was to to get his hands on this report which had like information about military maneuvers it really doesn't care it is purely a MacGuffin. like that that one scene where he's reading it at the airport is the only time we ever see it on screen um yeah. but uh yeah and like he is leaving to the u.s because um he's gonna defect or he's gonna like just go there because they're not going to extradite so he can you know make his own deals and and not get hauled back in so i don't this is where maybe i wasn't paying close enough attention or got lost in the bureaucracy of it all i don't think they ever said whom this actually was but the impression i was left with is that essentially he had been in the geisha and so the geisha was in him or that's programming whatever um and so third party that had the brain case came in, swapped bodies into the prime, well, knocked out the prime minister, swapped bodies into the actual prime minister with the geisha, took out the geisha's body's brain, which the prime minister is inhabiting, put it in the box, left after, you know, killing the, the secretary who was the only person that died and we disc- or was grievously injured, and that's because she saw what was happening, which is kind of how Togusa figured out everything. Um, they never really said, like, this I, uh, this third-party actor. An unknown were. intelligence agent working for the American Empire. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, you're, you're left to assume it's working for the u.s empire <laughs> like accurate name right. huh. yeah i'm like wow we're really ahead of the game for you know the american audience but yeah no it's the north right. american empire and it always made me laugh because i'm just thinking you're thinking yes canada secretly wants all their stuff <laughs> well to be fair i'm sure by this point in history canada has been overrun unfortunately <clears throat> and here we are but yeah, they never said like this particular agent, but yeah, you're left to assume with without having a clear cut answer, such as a summary. Well, like, this guy clearly works for the U.S. and he's giving this to the U.S. intelligence. When when they're arresting him, they there's basically a line by Aramaki that says like, "All right, now we're gonna haul you into the station and find out who the hell who you, you are." Really are? Yeah. yeah. But even by the end of the episode, like, we, we still don't hear who he really was. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I didn't realize that until rewatching it this time. I'm like, that's a little frustrating because I'm used to my procedurals getting a definitive answer. But then I had the thought, like, but that adds a layer of realism because by this point they may stop, may not still know who he is. But, yeah. Ooh, that's good. Also, like, it doesn't matter because their job was yeah. to figure out that something was going on and stop it from happening. Right. No, and I so agree. Their part of the job is done. <laughs> right. And I just. It's another thing that the show loves to do because it loves to, like, just be done with plot threads. Like, mm-hmm. it it happens here with him. It's going to happen again in uh, the next episode. And it kind of least happens in the, the fourth episode. But, uh, yeah, like, like, partially it's because, you know, they are a very... They are like a purpose-built group. They are called in to do one kind of thing and then they're kind of just done with it. But also it's just like... I don't know if it's a, it's like this show doesn't want to spend time on things that it doesn't care about. The problem is, is it doesn't care about like some of the more mechanical parts of its plot. I don't, I don't know. It's one of my, my frustrations with the show is just like, 
I don't know what it wants to be focusing on because sometimes it feels like it's not focusing on anything. Yeah, I, and to that same point, the opposite end is I, if I remember correctly, and again, it's been a minute, but I feel like some elements from certain, no pun intended, standalone episodes end up tying into the complex episodes, like at the end. Like, I want to say that little, what the, what we'll deal with in episode 12 has relevance later. I, for some reason, I, I may be Mandela affecting myself here, but I could have sworn it did. I I think it does kind of end up yeah they're not they're not completely standalone but like the cases are are right. separate cases I guess is is how it's supposed to be defined. And to, I guess the point I'm also trying to make is like sometimes I feel like these are written where like maybe they didn't know exactly where they if they wanted to leave that open for a future thread or just end up literally leaving it be like eh one and done. Yeah, it, it's it's. The show is not interested in resolutions. Yeah, and that's so weird because it has some resolutions, but it's just interesting which ones it chooses. And I, and I, I guess I appreciate it for all the frustration I can bring. It's like that kind of gives it almost a realism that other shows lack. Well, uh, I don't know if I would call it realism, but yeah, it, it is definitely sort of novel and unique in that it's like subverting your expectations of how like a police procedural or anime kind of story structure is mm -hmm. um like uh, i don't want to spend the whole time just comparing to the movie but like that was the thing about the movie is, is yeah uh, like it is very like there is a plot going on but the plot is less important than like the the character moments and questions uh, as people go along and like there's a resolution there but it's also just like well I guess we're doing this now and that's the resolution and it's just like all right um yeah. yeah I guess I'm thinking of it like sometimes you you get someone from a foreign intelligence agency you catch them in but you just really can't prove who they're really working for sometimes and that's kind of where I was going with it but mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah, I know I I agree. I think that makes it like and you chose a perfect word for very novel in its approach and appearance. Uh time to move on to episode 12. Episode 12. Standalone episode. Tachikoma runs away. The movie director's dream. Escape from. A title with a semicolon. Listen. Escape Love it. from Tachikoma Maintenance Bay. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode to me feels like it was very split in half. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. The first half of the episode is following a robot as it makes a new friend. Uh, it, oh, go ahead. Uh, okay, so Tachikoma R. Uh, Think Tank. Yeah. Literal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but basically they're like, they're actually, uh, they're like tiny one person tanks, but they're also spiders. They have guns, they have sensors, whatever. Like one per the reason there's a big pot on the back is because somebody sits in there. Um, are they sentient on purpose? Like this is my first introduction to them. Are they sentient tanks or is this something new? No, they, they have an AI kind of like, you know, the Android AI is like, so, so that is like, Again, a thing this show, this series loves to talk about in terms of philosophy and personhood is just like we have people and we have AIs and it's just like 
at some point it is like a personality and memories that can inhabit a shell. They are the ghosts in the shell. Hey, the title makes sense. Um, but the idea of like, they're AIs are not humans in that sense. Um, and like, so like, I'm pretty sure there's a good chance. Like the geisha were sort of Android and AI and probably like the, the, the check-in girls at the airport might've even been like androids Mm -hmm. and we just breeze over that. Uh, but the Tachikoma are the same. They are not necessarily supposed to be like sentient AI thinkers. It is supposed to just be like, they have like AI augmented to help you be better with it. They come with Siri. There's kind of supposed to be coming with Siri rather than personalities, you know? That that being said, why did they go with 14 year old girl? Tachikoma are kind of like children in their own way. They're Fairly more way. Uh, yes. The vocabulary time. <laughs> no, no, no. This is this is great. They're Hawaiian. Uh-huh. Yes. Tachikoma uh, don't know what soccer is. That's that's what I'm getting at here. She doesn't know. She doesn't know what a lot is. Yeah. But she makes a friend with a little girl whose name eludes me, and honestly, for the point of the plot. Is it really relevant? Nah. No. But she has a name. Yes. And she's looking for her dog, Roadkill, or whatever its name was. <laughs> <laughs> Way to spoil the end there. Oh my god. I, I am a cat person. I will I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, <laughs> so you know the really you sad cheer the death of a dog. Okay, when uh Tachikoma picks up the dog and shows it to the little girl saying, is this your dog? Yeah, yeah, that's I you. Wasn't, I wasn't sad. You're a, you're a bastard, Bob. There, I'm saying it. <laughs> okay, oh. so there's a lot that we've just thrown at uh, the audience here. So he meets Miki. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this poor little girl is looking for her dog. Her parents told her that it ran away. She's looking for it. Uh she meets up with Tachikoma, and quite honestly, I don't understand this world with this episode, mm-hmm. where a giant robot walks up to a girl, and she's like, whatever, you're my friend now, let's go run away to the city. Welcome to the future, Bob, where prosthesis can look like anything, even a completely new body. I would have looked, I, I would have been like this as a little girl. Yeah. Like, if I and, had a giant robot, I would have been like, oh my gosh, best friends. Especially in, in a in a city where robots are sentient AIs, where they're deemed either intelligent or not, A, B, whatever, uh, a robot just kidnapped a child. <laughs> no, the Carol kidnapped the robot. Yeah, I mean, the kid did put the leash on the Tachikoma. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes, but that does not make it okay. I, you so, know, I think it was kind of mutually consensual that they ran off I was together. Say, the the, the coma absolutely gave consent by a choosing to go with the child, b submitting to the child, and not because let's be honest, this thing has the power to resist that leash. There yeah. is no there is no subjugation there. It agree it tacitly agrees in its own actions. Like, oh, while, you, I mean, they even made like a bargain of sorts. Like they're saying, yeah. they're saying yeah. "Oh, like okay, I'll go with you, but only to, into the city, only to the certain part." Yeah, but I'm as just speaking as, from the yeah. child's point of view. Like, I get that the parents weren't the best parents, but you know, hey, where'd our daughter go? Well, it's fine. She's hanging out with a robot. 
let's be honest, every child in that future is chipped. I mean, okay, <laughs> okay well, all right. A, yeah, probably. B, I mean, that, that's why, you know, at like 14 years old, it's not you move out anymore. It's you get your own new body that your parents don't have chipped. It's like when, or, uh, it's like. Some, <laughs> people, some people even get spare bodies to jump around in. Yeah, okay, so, Bob, was it obvious to you? That the purple hair, like teenager looking kid following around and spying on Tachikoma and the kid. That was the major. Yes. Okay. Cause that, like, that is something that, that like they never just say, but it's just like, yeah, no, like she just, I mean, she has the well, she talks about right. it in the transition of stories. Oh, she does? Okay. I'll just, uh, oh, I forgot the exact phrasing that they use, but of course she followed us around or. Something to that effect. Yeah. Uh, what well, they imply she is, always knows, but they don't yeah. seem to know how she knows. Because she's not lazy. I mean, you're not technically wrong. She is always on the job. Uh, she's got her alternate accounts. Sometimes she's, you know. Oh my god, she's a Twitter troll. Yeah, she's got like three different bodies. Each one has a different Twitter circle. So to assist in part two of the story, uh, Tachikoma gets a brain memory jar thing. I know it has a proper name, and we even talked about it in the first episode. Brain box. But, yes. So gets a brain box, looks in it to try and figure it out. He uh, finds it in the trash, like, yep. in an alley. I wonder what this is. As you do. Well, I think it was, like, like a back alley street market. Like, they're, they're finding over the people selling, like, like keyboards and satellite dishes. And so she, so Tachikoma, first Tachikoma throws a dog. Bad. Second, Tachikoma steals a brain. Also bad. Tachikoma yeah. is a real Johnny Five kind. Like, yo, I just came to life and gained sentience and now I'm on a crime spree. I mean, to Don't be worry, fair, Tachikoma the girl there is gonna her. Oh. I think that was my favorite part is the little girl slapping the robot. <laughs> oh, it's so good. No, the only thing missing from this episode was, um, uh, diet word coming in and giving Tachikoma <laughs> nunchucks. Wow! <laughs> you know, you're right, and I think I would have only made the episode like ten times better. Oh, it would have been so good. Little girl gives the, the leash to the Tachikoma, except it's like all embedded with nails. <laughs> so, Tachikoma and the little girl are, are driving around, and the little girl finally explains that she knew that her dog had died. Yeah. Uh, she had figured it out, talk, listening to her parents and her parents saying, you know, dog left, it's not coming back. And she knew she had figured it out because they end up going to Gravestone, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And which is sad and kind of weird that the parents buried the dog. Yeah, I was thinking. And then told like, wow, her that whole, it didn't die. Get a whole gravestone for it. One percent. A really good dog. But then also the whole thing is, like, she went out to look for it to feign that to her parents that she didn't know that the dog was dead. Like yeah, in that goldfish story? Because mm -hmm. she doesn't want her parents to be sad that she's dead because she yeah. knows. Mom I'm glad that's... <laughs> I'm just glad that story ends. This was like through. really deep. And then it's like, oh, by the way, next story. Uh-huh, and so, that's done. Yeah, can I just say, this episode, highlighted in my notes once we got to the halfway point, like, this was clearly two story ideas that they tossed around but could never figure out what to do with, so they just combined to, like, 
the first half of one and the second half of the other and found a way to kind of make it work. Yeah. Which also, like, we, we skipped over it, but, like, when Tachikoma finds their brain blocks, like, you plug, she plugs into, it plugs into it, like, immediately just to be like, oh, I wonder what's in here. It's just like, oh, this is real Nito. This is like a, is this what it looks like when someone's dying? Yeah, it's Holy like, crap, Tachikoma. I believe this is the moment of death in a person's brain captured inside this box. Oh, God. You know, I think you think about that show now. Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll discuss this at the end. Good, uh, good. So, I should come and go home. And... <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> Renaming the episode, Touch Go Go Home. And, and everyone's kind of surprised-ish. Because Tachikomas aren't sentient sentient like that. Yeah, uh, they're not, like... They can be autonomous, but, like, not to this extent. They don't have Short, curiosity. Short version, this not supposed to have happened. They don't do things without order. Bob, orders. it's the exocomp episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Remember and the so, little maintenance bots? Those. Mm, oh, the... I know what you're talking about. The Wallies. Or the Eves. Yes. Uh, so they do testing on this particular Tachikoma. At one point, I remember being insulted, and all of the other Tachikoma got offended by it. Mm-hmm. As one does. Uh, and eventually find this memory uh, major in a weird turn of, I'm just going to do this before having permission. Because I'm trying to find, apparently, people who have been not dying but asleep. Uh, goes in there and ends we up We sent being... the guy in to investigate. And, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and he's he, not uh... coming back. <laughs> yeah. So she hacks in, and it's a movie theater. And she feels like she is strong enough. Uh, she doesn't care. She goes walking in, talks to some people. Talks to the main, I wouldn't say villain. But the brain behind this whole thing and explains that people are here because they want to stay here. And it's not a trip or a trick or blah trick. Not a trap. It's just that people are stuck. So she goes into the movie theater, finds the guy watching a movie. She looks up and starts watching the screen herself and she starts crying. Uh Cue her leaving, and she's able to, I believe it is that she's able to close it down. Uh, does she save the missing person? I'm trying to remember. So some of the people in there were reported as dead, Other, if I remember hearing the audio correctly, but some were alive. Uh, uh, and and they weren't, it's, they weren't trapped, they were choosing to stay there of their own free will. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a... It was so engaging. Yeah. And I do love, too, it's when she first goes in there. I know we kind of gloss over it. It's all these people. She's like, excuse me, can you tell me what's tell me what's going on here? And the person behind it all is like, oh, they're not going to tell you what's going on. They're they're too enraptured by t- talking about it. And the first, uh, even my notes, like, ah, oh, the first instance of Ava discord. <laughs> but it's <laughs> like, ooh. But they're, uh, the way it's described by uh, the guy, oh, no. Is it the guy who says that they're never-ending movies? She kind of, if I remember correctly, she just kind of comes up with that on her own. 
is that by watching it when she comes out, she explains everything to them. Yeah, and it's uh, built from the, the mind of the person who's watching it. Because she does have the conversation after she leaves the the theater proper to talk to the mind behind it all, the director, as we learn. Yeah, and it's actually not a bad idea. To if you want to have the perfect movie that enraptures someone, build it off of the thoughts that they're having right then. Well, I don't think that's even what it is. I think it's like we don't get to see the movie, but I think it is his movie? The movie of his life, as it were. Like, this is one of those things where it's like they start just... It's it's another moment of philosophy combat in the show where she's talking with the director, and it's just like, oh, you're saying that... It's bad if you just want to stay here and watch a movie forever. If it's your favorite movie, it's just like, yeah, don't do that. It's like, oh, okay. Um, but he's, he's like, it's their escape. And as soon as they go back, they're going to go back to misery. Yeah, and she's like, well, you can't. What are you going to do? Run away forever? Just keep running away? But I, I don't, I don't saying... appreciate being called out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, they may as well be dead if they're just going to spend their whole life watching someone else's dream. Yeah. Yeah. So the the way that actually resolves is she is, again, a badass enough Mary Sue that she is not enraptured by the movie, even though it makes her cry, even though she is like forsworn emotions long ago because of the nature of the character, see other media. Um, but like... She just walks out and she basically says, okay, take the director's brain, ghost, whatever, put it in a different case that is not internet enabled, just put him in an offline. And then when he's out of there, uh, they won't be able to show the movie anymore. So all of the... Because that's the thing, right? It's like, the other it's, people will wake up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not that, you know, all these people have been dying or whatever. It's just that their ghosts, their consciousness has left their own bodies to go into this one. Basically, this director turned his brain into a nightclub and people just keep coming in and it's too cool to leave. Um, and, and she's like, okay, just take him out, put him in an offline brain box, and then everybody else without the movie to watch, they'll kind of wander back and, and come out of it, and then we'll start, like, cross-referencing missing and dead people and coma people, and we'll try and get the people back into the bodies that they came from. I think it's basically love, how it resolves. I love the short version of the memo being sent out, being the idea, and eh, we'll see who pops up. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed that story. It's it's got neat ideas. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's a there's a gold mine of diving into that on a philosophical level on so many ways and what it's trying to represent. And of course, the great mystery of what was really on that screen and mm. was it different for everyone? Was it the same for everyone? And, and I love too. They said like, yeah, this is a small time director. Uh, never made it big. Never really got to realize his dream per se. So, but he developed a cult following and he made this film apparently that everyone wanted to see. And so he put, took out a brain and part of his upper spine, put it on life support in a box. And here you go. Password swordfish. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Oh, I got a Joe will appreciate this. I know. And I'm assuming Nick will too. I love at the end when Bato is, you know, calling it a day and 
the major is just kind of having a drink, staring off into the city. And she asks Mato, it's like, have you, have you, have you ever cried at a film? He says, I once saw Marx, you know, I cried so much or laughed so much. I cried watching Marx Brothers. I'm like, that is the most appropriate answer ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't care what anyone says. I'm like, oh, the Marx Brothers are now canonically an anime. <laughs> yes. Bato's our boy. Yeah, Bato is mm-hmm. the best boy, and that's why he is the best boy. Because he yeah, loves dogs. Because he loves his Tachikomas. Yeah, he loves his Tachikoma pets, which are not pets, according to the major. <laughs> Tanks aren't pets. Um, right. And but- he loves Marx Brothers. Yeah, I was going to bring it back to that. Yeah, the, the, they do have the mini explanation of why Tachikomo woke up and went all Johnny Five, which is because Bato uses like organic oil in order to spoil his Tachikoma. Like he's like giving it treats. Oh, basically. Right. They aren't allowed to use it anymore. Right. Well, yeah, they're supposed but, to have synthetic. Yeah, but it's because he's using the natural one that like there is a protein bleed. Or some some techno babble excuse, but it's just like yeah, no, the, the it kind basically it's like because you were giving it the treat version of motor oil, it built a personality instead of being you know a mindless android. I, <laughs> you I, did this, Bato. This is another words or another one where my brain just automatically fills in some blanks, and like I imagine the oil that Bato is giving the Tachikoma just says ethically sourced oil. Mm-hmm. All natural. I I just love it because like the this is not not Arakawa. It's the other guy. Um, Aramaki. Yeah, he's explaining this to Bato about like you caused this because of your oil, and Bato's listening to it. And when he's done talking, Bato's just like, oh, it's just like no, I don't listen. I'm in this show, and I don't understand what the hell that dude just said. Oh, Bato's my boy. This is kind of like really in contrast where everyone in Star Trek understands what's being said, but they still give us that nice little analogy. This is not everyone in the future understands it, and we're not necessarily going to get a good analogy. You just have to accept it. Bato's mm-hmm. a meathead. He really is. <laughs> Weird thing to say, considering. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know? But like, yeah, he's a military dude, so I'm sure he knows a lot about some like military technology stuff, but like. Yeah, he has he a certain to... degree of understanding, but when you get to, like, to the nitty-gritty yeah. of it, it's like, oh, I'm sure what he said. Bato is kind of like the Freddie Prinze Jr. character in Mass Effect. Oh, oh, wow. Freddie Prinze Jr. was also in a season of 24. It's coming back mm-hmm. around again. <laughs> and he was also a Jedi in Star Wars. I mean, we can go with this all day. He was? Uh, Rebels. Okay. Which actually wasn't terrible. It was also Fred and Scooby Doo. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my God, you're right. Yep. yep. That's one of my favorite. That's the main thing I know him from. That's. That's how that Koma is basically a talking dog. <laughs> Solving mysteries. I mean, yeah, we have Bato, who is Freddie Prince Jr. Solving mysteries with his uh, AI dog. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, also as um, uh, Iron Bull in Dragon Age. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know from that and Scooby Doo. Do we do we just want to move into the next episode before we dig this Prince Hole any further? Probably. Hold on, I need to re-download Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's go ahead and uh, take a shot at the third episode. 
Well, oh, the fourth episode. episode. Four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the third episode of our watch, episode four, completely out of order. The visual device will laugh. Interceptor. Can I just inter- interject? Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> I, I, I see the spelling of interceptor and I realize in all my notes I spelled it as interceptor, uh-huh. like a ship. Mm-hmm. And I just, and I just clicked with me like, well, there that went. <laughs> Actually, like the way you said interceptor, it's like, oh yes, I remember that, uh, transforming character. <laughs> yes. Transform roll out, Bob. Right into the summary. Alright. So, the episode starts with, uh, this guy who is researching on his computer that his friend is... Yeah. Sorry. Yamaguchi? Yamaguchi. Okay. So Yamaguchi's on his computer doing research, and his friend's leaving, and it's really creepy because he has his hand in his pocket, and I'm fairly convinced that at any point, Yamaguchi's going to get shot. Yeah. Anyway, prior to that, uh, Yamaguchi has a weird glitch on his uh, computer screen, which plays out later. Uh, he gets up, he leaves with weird guy in a coat pocket, arm man, just watching him as he goes. He gets in his car, starts driving, uh, and suddenly his world turns crazy and digital, and he ends up driving off of a bridge, and you know, in classic fashion, explodes. Yeah, like, he screams, like, oh no, the interceptors are in my eyes! And then just dies. I'm like, wow, I'm glad he took the time to explain to us, the audience, the thing that killed him. Too bad I could not understand a word he said. Yeah, I was like, what is this? The Langoliers are here? What? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, like, all of that happens, but, um, while he's driving, he has the call with Togusa. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, our good human boy, Togusa. Uh, because they used to be friends, and I believe this is where they we've got our first mention that I am aware of, of the laughing man. Yeah. Correct. Uh, also, which, did we want to include that on his way out, he dropped some pictures in the uh, mailbox? Yeah. Oh, that's right, because that's... Well, that becomes relevant later on. Yeah, it comes up later. Which, we're getting close to that, because at uh, Amaguchi's funeral, uh, his wife gives Agasa uh, an envelope, which has the pictures in it, and he starts reviewing them, and this is this is why I keep comparing it to uh, Lee's serials. Yes. It's because all of the zoom in this section, gotta look in this. Gotta put these clues together. It's so amazing. Absolutely. Enhance. So much enhancing. Uh Uh-huh. And eventually he comes to the very strange conclusion that the only thing that's missing is, uh, you know, the camera phone. Uh Uh-huh. The way they post it on Snapchat. Well, I love that it's, he's, he's reviewing these. We know the major's watching him. Whether or not he knows is kind of irrelevant at this point. She's, she's protecting their sweet little cinnamon roll. And, then he goes to the bathroom to kind of freshen up to go home, and that's when it dawns on him. He's like, "There's wait a minute, there's something missing from this." There's no oh, camera and for me, here. <laughs> side note: I genuinely thought because he looks at the first one, there's a guy staring. 
Go to the second one. Another guy staring. Third one. Zooming in the eye. And there's a guy staring. And then it gets to the one where he's shaving. And he's like, do you know what's missing? I'm like, none of them have beards. <laughs> that was well, my first thought. The first clue I had when I remember first watching this was there's the picture of someone kind of playing with their dog's face. And you see both hands. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. My, my, and here's the thing. Even back then, I'm like, well, there's no camera. I'm like, wait a minute. They're all, you know, cyberized. Yeah, I'm sure he has, you know, his cell phone cam in his eyes. So that doesn't necessarily bother me, but yeah, they all look like thing. they all look like GoPro footage. Yeah, you're right. It's just like, all right, YouTube, check out my cool new flips and tricks parkour GoPro video. And then Toguza is just going over it like, hmm, he jumped over a subway car. Enhance. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like the shaving, the shaving one, I feel like the, the dog one, I could kind of forgive. Like, yeah, guy took, used super special future eyes to take a picture of a dog because of course people do that. But yeah, it's the shaving one that kind of really sells the idea of like, who photos after, themselves after shaving it, yes. like that? What was that? When he, he, when he mentioned that there's no camera, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, so we cut to Major, and she is trying to get information as to uh, what would be going on. She uh, meets up with a, a robot bartender. I'm sorry. Yeah. An android bartender. Uh, and gets the information I, that I way to pay it He's off. a people. Yeah, is he a he's people? just a guy. I'm sorry. I just assume with the dots on the neck that maybe she he's has a man. A lot of people have those in in their future because yeah, the cyberized bodies kind of is kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So. As she tries to sell Togusa on it. <laughs> well, to be fair, it's not that she tried. Yeah, yeah, she tried to sell Togusa. Uh, Togusa had to really sell her on this because she was kind of like, mm, I'm not convinced about this, but it's Armaki that's like, no, there's something here. Let's go in, follow up, and, and thus we find out and understand the. You know, all capital letters, Interceptor. Because, you know, instead of saying cameras, you got to give it some sort of brand name you can sell. Mm-hmm. Well, they're micro-machines, not the ones made by Kenner. Yeah. They kept saying so, micro-machines, and I was just like, oh, man, is the guy who talks real fast going to show up? Yeah, I'm like, oh, man, I miss my Millennium Falcon and Star Trek collection. Oh, God, yeah. So Interceptors, for our audience, are... I'm assuming similar to contacts, but not even contacts are in the body because they get installed in hospitals and such. That um, work as sorry, yeah, like nanomachines. Yeah. yeah, I think they get in. It seems like they get oh, injected sorry. and then drill into your brain in your optical nerve or something. Yeah, they're but supposed to be very. Uh, they're supposed to essentially be infiltration, which. In other words, of interceptor, they intercept information that you observe. They can right. essentially they're active for like six months or something. Yep. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I stepped in a a bad bit of um actually <laughs> kind of. And I didn't mean to do that at all. I I swear to God, I did not push up my glasses oh, all day. That, but uh, uh, I, honestly, I saw this, and my first thought was like. Ah, yes, the Patriot Act reaching its natural evolution. Mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. That, that kind of leads into it is that everyone who's been wearing interceptors was in the unit that was on the uh, Smiling Man case. Laughing Man. Laughing yes. Man. You know, he does his own thing. We it's don't know if he laughing. smiles. 
he just frowns while he laughs. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> no country for smiling men. It's hard uh, to laugh while frowning. Have you ever tried doing that? Yes, that's my ho, ho, ho. I sound like <laughs> Santa. So, anyway. Sorry. So, uh, they figure out that uh, interceptors are in these people, and they aren't sure how to approach it, I feel like, with the government. But... Yeah, because they're not me. sure how up, how far up this goes, because, like, that's a big deal to, like, coordinate, and it's like, well, okay, so who's doing it, and why, like, what do they want to get out of it? And I can't mo- tell if it was them who released it, though, to the uh So, you released what, the information? Yeah. So, uh... To the, uh, the major, press. yeah, the major gave the information to the bartender and she specifically said don't give this to any reporter that give this to reporters but strictly those not on government payroll mm-hmm. so that way you know someone gets the story and runs with it and as we saw someone did they they sent their cameraman out the quote unquote their cameraman who was really a decoy because the guy mm-hmm. in the car who looks to have had camera eyes recorded the whole interaction mm-hmm. or at least got pictures of it and next day first thing on the newspaper which kudos to them for still having newspapers in essentially seven years from now hey wait yeah, yeah. hey wait yeah. hold up i was saving that specifically it, for it, is, it is the one newspaper left in all of america yeah in japan, japan. oh my god yeah seven that's, fact, that's... my very first my very first note on episode one is, man, we got a lot of catching up to do in seven years if we're going to get this far. Yeah, newspapers still part. existing in 2030 is the least realistic part of this show. That's incredible. <laughs> wow. Or at least physically printed newspapers, yeah. Yeah. So it gets leaked, and biggest, I'm assuming the most important uh, military person. Uh, top cop. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So it's the police, not the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes in front of all the cameras like, hey, we know about these. People were bugged illegally. The guy who did it. We're very, going- very sorry. Yep. But it was for a good reason. We're sorry. That we just made up. Well, it, it wasn't even that. They were like, yeah, no, the, the one who, the cop who was in charge of this laughing man cleanup brigade uh, he, he, it was all his fault. And he said he's sorry, but we still fired him. Are we good now? We're all good, right? You would assume. And then the smile or the laughing, oh boy, I don't know why he's smiling. He's probably mm-hmm. frowning. You're right. You know, the disgruntled laughing man, uh, in all reality, uh, takes over the mind or hijacks it of one of the officials. I don't think it's any of the important ones. Well, arguably. And then goes on to say that there's more that the top cop isn't saying, uh, up to and including death threats, if not everything gets revealed. And they do it... Three days. Yep. They do it by blanking out his face. Which was weird. That way you really understood that he was laughing the entire time. Yeah. Well, I mean... He's like a super hacker... To to that point, Bob, did you notice when after Togusa had his debrief or briefing with the major and Aramaki while they're discussing the Laughing Man, 
Aramaki, whose attention and vision is completely trained on the major, is scribbling something on his paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we know at that point that is our first clue. The laughing man is already aware and he is present. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this guy is a world class hacker because for the fact that one's like these are probably better security implants than your average run of the mill government worker on Aramaki and the major. And he got, I mean, the major again, be, being the insert character esque level of power and ability. Sure, that's not going to happen, at least not easily, without making a whole episode of it. But for Aramaki, even to be compromised, that's impressive. And the the episode ends on a cliffhanger. Well, not really a cliffhanger. It's a end, but, you know, pressing matters. Whereas yeah. the last two episodes were not. At this point, I will say, I read Ghost in the Shell standalone complex as it was typed up above my head earlier at episode one, and that when you were describing standalone slash complex, I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. That's what that means. Uh, well, that's that's what they later said that it means. Yeah. Listen, I don't, I don't trust like that. I don't know, man. Considering th- that the titling was already there in the episodes, I, I can believe someone had that i don't think it was maybe that well established until later like i don't think anyone realized it besides the people behind the scenes how did how did we feel about like because so this episode was the most like detective procedural this episode was extremely noir like from it's raining nonstop to uh a call in the middle of the night from a guy who is then dead in a car crash by morning and the envelope full of uh you know mysterious photos that seem innocuous but they're actually a major clue like this absolutely feels like a, a noir detective film um but more than that the way that this show, uh this one was the uh, procedural and a lot about like background of like oh the seven years ago the laughing man case and like oh it's again more of like talking about like okay it's the group that's doing this it's the top cops it's the you know th- there's one line where there's something about like the company that makes the interceptors would have had to have sold them to the cop who installed them even though that cop's job was to investigate that company and it's very much like, huh, that's a really, what, what kind of motivation would they have to spy on themselves? Like, mm. how, how did we feel about all of that? Because this, this one especially was very heavy on just the, like, hearing about things going on. Uh, I mean, I, I've been on the record before and I'll go on the record again as saying, Noir is kind of like a heroine for me, so just shoot it up, baby. <laughs> Let's go. I'd have to say I'm actually with Chuck on this one. I enjoyed it. Okay. To go even further, I'm one of those, like, I love when you start a mystery with, yeah, there's this this thing that happened that we have not talked about at all that was seven years ago, and, it, you know, we weren't involved with it, but other thing happened, and this is how it handled, and now it's actually a bigger problem 
because that starts off with okay, so maybe we have a copycat, but no, the guy's back. I'm like, it's a trope, but man, when done right, I love that trope. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, for me, like this is like unless we count that car crash at the beginning and sort of like the big drama of the uh, the press conference at the end. Like this is a show without a lot, or this is an episode without a lot of action in it. Like it is very. I don't necessarily want to call it slow, but it is. This is a kind. I mean, of, it's not physical action, but it's no, yeah, a lot of mental. Yeah, like I'm still into it. Yeah, I I love something that makes me think and makes me pay attention. It, I don't, okay, so this, this is this is where I break out my hot take. Oh, um, for it! Unpopular um, opinion. I love hot takes. Do it. We need a hot take alarm sound effect for the soundboard. <laughs> yeah, we really do. <laughs> oh, that that's the next titling you can have on here. <laughs> the hot take section. Um. My problem with this show, and I have this problem with a lot of shows, and basically it is anime is a visual medium. You know, it's it's television, it's cartoons, it's whatever. And one of the, like, rules for working in that medium is show, don't tell. It's we have a screen. Uh, it, we want to show what we're talking about, the visuals and the 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 words, the ideas need to support each other and, and coalesce together. Uh, but a lot of the times this show loves to do the thing where, like I said, the thing that we have on screen are people talking about something big and, you know, but something like that happened in the past or something that's going on elsewhere. Like, like we three people are going to sit here and talk about the laughing man incident, but we're never going to show anything about it. And it always frustrates me because it is like, a, it feels like a, a, it, it feels like something created without understanding the strength of the medium. Like, it, it just makes me go like, oh, this, what this show is doing and having conversations like this would have worked better as a book, as something else where like, you know, the, the conversation is the interesting part, but then we're just letting the, the visual part go to waste because we're just showing people having a conversation. And it's just like, there was also an element of like, you know, we talk about, animation trying to be cheap by like oh people aren't going to move so like a conversation is cheap to animate but it's like at some point they go even further where it's just like also they're not even going to move their lips now because they can talk directly from their brains and i'm just like why is this an anime like because then they put all the animation into the major jumping around on buildings i know and not giving her clothing which it yeah That's that's a different issue that I have with yes, this is. show. I wasn't gonna bring hey, that up at um, all. So, uh, Shiro, I think currently, or if he's passed before he died, uh, basically just does porn now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you could definitely see that if you read uh, Ghost in the Shell or yeah. uh, Appleseed. Like, yeah. it's all over that. It's like good on you for just going and doing what you've been wanting to do this whole time. Yeah, I was gonna say re- reading, <laughs> reading for what little I have of the original Ghost in the Shell manga. Um, yeah, it's pretty blatant. <laughs> it's like, ah, this is what your passion is. Mm-hmm. Because you just explained something that I'm sure some people wondered about, but I don't think anyone was actually expecting an actual explanation on and how certain things interact during certain private encounters. Hmm. Yeah, it it got 
not to overuse the word here, it got deep. <laughs> deeper than it, deeper mm-hmm. than it should have necessarily for your standard anime. But like, no, someone thought this out. Like, you sir consume a lot of porn, don't you? And probably want to make a lot of it. I mean, I wasn't even going necessarily for the, um, the like sexualization elements because honestly. I've always thought that that kind of worked for the major in the movie and the show because there's this idea of like she kind of owns it because in the sense that like she is the the sort of idealized version of the person who has transcended the physicality of her humanity like it's okay for her to dress like that because she doesn't care she doesn't she Yeah, like she's not trying to like protect the body or anything because it's all parts anyway yeah. yeah like like she doesn't feel bad about being exposed because her body is not necessarily her you know that is a separate entity and so i, I always thought that actually was like one of the better justified versions of girl runs around in sexy clothing all the I, time i don't disagree like I said, like you said they put in some effort, real effort into explaining why she is the way she is about this hmm. but again it's still one of those like your your detail and your choice here is pretty blatant yeah, that's that's all. And it's like I'm I'm not tearing him apart for it. Kind of like Joe says, like, "Hey, you found you're doing what you want to do. <laughs> Good for you." It's just it one definitely of those two. stands it out shows. though because she's on a team with a bunch of dudes in military flak. Yeah. yeah, and that's I guess that's why it's kind of jarring to me. It's like, yeah, this is a typical anime thing. It's like, man, no one here is also wearing spandex or unbelievable costumes. Everyone here actually looks probably Show the most me their butts. We we should get more bucks. Yeah. Um equal opportunity harassment. Well so more on this and 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 kind of getting back to to what I wanted to get to was um in that first episode when they are storming the geisha house, she's in the same kind of, you know, fatigues as everybody else actually. Um at least the way I recall it. Oh yeah, no, she She does get into them, but it's one of those like when she's not on duty, it's like, man, is she just letting it all hang out? Yeah, there, there's when her like off duty is the, but, but what I actually wanted to talk about the part that sort of like gets weird to me is, um, especially talking about like, oh, the, where they spend their, their animation focus, it is on this, um, it is on the sort of like combat and military actions mm-hmm. in, of, and like, this show looks cool. I love the look of the tech in this show. I love the Tachikomas. I love their, like, bullpup P90 styled submachine guns that they're kitted out with. Like, I love all of that stuff. And it makes me feel kind of gross because, again, the whole thing is like, this is a black ops. They are not cops. They are not military. They are just going in and doing sort of like, I don't know if it's extrajudicial, but they are they're kind of like super police in, in a weird way. And like, again, like this is where I started making like my 24 comparisons. Like at least in 24, there's this idea of like, Oh, you know, Jack Bauer is trying to do the right thing, but he is going to do extremely bad things in the process. Where meanwhile over here, section nine is just like, no, section nine is good. Yeah. They're going to go in and just like do something and just like take out whoever they need to, but they are absolutely the good guys at all points in the end. Like this, this, this is the kind of show that goes into the part of Japanese culture where like, like military action and like military police kind of style stuff is just like 
put on a pedestal and never questioned. And that's actually what yeah. gets me more, uh, uh, I have more trouble reckoning with. Yeah. I, for what it's worth, I completely share that on, because again, watching this through my modern lens as opposed to the lens of early adulthood me, late teenage me was back then. Oh man, this is so cool. And now it's like, man, I got like, Real social problems with everything about what's going on here. Yeah. Oh, and it's one of those like, I, I, I will be the first to say, I hate the following phrase. Okay. But this is one of the times I will justify it's like, because I feel like it's used to justify certain shows, law and order, um, being around, but it's like, man, I just got to disconnect it from reality. I just just take it in this perfect world where yeah, like, you know, these things, you know, the cops never, the good cops never overstep their bounds. <laughs> for me, since it's that near future and like their focus is specifically crimes that involve the new technology, the new mm. development of human, the transhumanism stuff, like it's enough removed for me that I can like enjoy it without yeah connecting it to the now. And who knows, maybe in the next seven years, miraculously, when we do all of our catching up to get to the Gits world, <laughs> maybe, you know, we completely reform the police enough. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, dismantle it, rebuild it in a, a proper way that serves the people. <sighs> One can dream. <laughs> I, I just know, like, even not tying it to, like, real right now, it is still this idea of, like, mm-hmm. so- somewhere between the, like, celebration up to the fetishization of like tools of war military and yeah. guns and all of this like the, like you know we know about anime otaku but like gun and tank otaku are also a serious thing like like you know that's why it's been in the news about like the the people on the war thunder forums who in having oh. argument over digital tanks are leaking actual military classified documents like the, the the people who care about that stuff care very very much in a way that just like you know even in the here and now it's just like oh you are you are are enjoying this thing without like reckoning with the the sort of like inherently immoral nature and purposes of it okay well now i'm uncomfortable like it, it's yeah and 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 that's the thing all of that stuff in this show is so cool. I love it so much, and I just hate that I love it. Like, at least if the show had like questioned some of its own, like, are these the good guys? Like, put that in there once, and I'm just like, okay, okay. The show is questioning it. Let me buy in. But the, the show is just like, these are the good guys, and I'm just like, mm, but I know that there should be a question. It, the the best thing about um Ghost in the Shell is the Half Life One mod. That or no, sorry, Half Life Source mod Neo Tokyo, where it is just all of the style and gunplay of Ghost and Shell with zero story <laughs> and zero questioning. It is just, are you this dystopian PMC or this dystopian PMC? It's okay, they're gonna kill all of each other, and it's just like, all right, now I feel good. Now I feel good about this. Yeah, I. Uh, I've actually been watching this last week. Because uh, I keep, I never finished the series, and it's one I was trying to vet and see if I wanted to. You know, season two uh, add-on was uh, Gundam Double Zero, mm. and I I tried back Bob back when you and I shared an apartment. 
uh, I tried watching this and I got like halfway through it and I couldn't tell you why I just kind of stopped watching it. And I tried recently and I just, something came up recently that made me think, maybe I want to watch this again and see what it's like all the way through. And the one thing I didn't remember until I watched it again is how they handled like PMCs and this, this organization that's trying to bring peace to the world. They're also terrorists. They're just outright terrorists. And the mm-hmm. idea, and, and to the credit, the show constantly throws in your face. Yeah, these people are trying to bring a, uh, an end to war by these armed interventions. Like, so violence. You're, you're trying to stop war with, you're trying to stop violence with violence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of to your point, and this is where I'm bringing it around, I promise, is at, you know, that show kind of handles it in a good way of saying like, listen, there's a mass amount of hypocrisy in their mission statement. So that's probably not on the up and up. Whereas here it's, you know, it's like, no one, no one's questioning the actions of these cops. And they, they are even celebrated inside. Like, yeah, know, that first episode when thank God the, for section nine. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, thank God. Section nine showed up. This was going to be a headache without them. Like, all right. Okay. All right. Yeah, and I mean, though, to, to that same extent, I'm sure, I'm sure part of it was also because my initial read way back when and still kind of caught it here was, Oh, thank God. Someone else can take care of this. Not us. Hmm. <laughs> And I can kind of believe that, uh, bureaucracy, but if it goes yeah, wrong, somebody else will take the heat. Oh, thank exactly. Goodness. Someone else to take the fall. And that's how, again, my, my first blush reading of that was, like, ah, pol- you know, politicians and bureaucrats, this is what they do. Um, but I agree with you. I was like, there's, there's a lot of just, no, no, they did this and it's good because they're good because they have the guns and the armor and the government said they're good. And every part of my being is like, 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 honestly, it's not that big of an issue in this show because there is so much else going on. And like the part that you get into is the sort of like the bureaucracy, the politics and the procedural detective parts. And like that is definitely like the bigger thing. But it's just like it's 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 one of those where it's just like, boy, I wish they would get back to the really exciting parts where it's a good anime because there's good action scenes and they're doing these morally questionable things without questioning them. Mm, it's it, like it, it is it is not a major thing that like stopped me from enjoying the show, but it is something that is just like always there in the back of my head no and I, i'm with you on that because i found that this with this watch there's like man i i definitely am not getting the enjoyment that 18 year old me 19 year old me got out of this i am because it's you know with the experience of the world knowing things you know through growing up like it's like in the back of my mind i'm like man there's so many problems with this yeah that's hey that's why ignorance is bliss you know Hey, he ain't, he ain't whistling Dixie there, let me tell you. All right, is it is it time to start rounding this out and get to final thoughts? Sure. All right. Okay. Uh, so, Bob, what do you think? Uh, now that we're done yapping. Looking at the show and having you describe it as it was built around either standalone or complex, I would watch it the way we've discussed at the beginning. I'd want to watch all the standalones, then watch all the complex. Hmm. I really well, as, enjoyed the standalone. I'm curious, too, because as I said in the beginning, I mentioned in the beginning, um, the season was turned into an OVA, and I'm curious 
if they did that by just stringing everything all together or they they just took out the complex stuff and put it all together as like a story i would bet that they turned I can answer the... that right now oh there you go I've watched it because oh, it used cool. to be on hulu and every so often you need something to fall asleep to um it is just the laughing man story okay. it is all of the everything else like i think they touch on the brain box because it ties in at the end and maybe one or two other things but man are they handled kind of quickly they're just kind of, oh yeah, the Tachikoma did this, and so you don't see the happening of it, but you get the mention and the acknowledgement that it happened, and then at the end it's like, aha, here it is, but it is strictly the Laughing Man, and spoiler, season two, they did the same, and they mm-hmm. did the same. Yep. So, but I mean, they weren't terrible if you just strictly wanted the Laughing Man, and I guess I should add this in. I... I have watched that, those compilation, the compilation OVA more recently, still a few years out, but more recently this, and I forgot just how much of the season really was standalone versus complex mm-hmm. and the differences therein. So, it, it, and it's, I'm kind of glad we went back to this because I kind of want to watch it, it to drive it home. This version of just the standalone versus the con- super condensed Campbell soup version of it. Hmm. I feel like watching just the standalone and then watching the complex as you guys had mentioned in some sort of cinema format. Yeah, like the idea of just like turning it into an extended episode, I actually really like that I, I i did not remember that they turned it into a, a sort of compilation ova but i would actually check that out i would rather check that out than watch all of the complex episodes i think because the way you describe it having it so broken up while not bad because by no means was the complex episode bad i genuinely enjoyed it i really liked the uh proceduralness i know that's not a real word mm-hmm. uh, of it was i as a Oh, 18 to 24. Uh, remember, I'm the old one here. That was just when uh, CSI had started coming out. 24 started coming out. Uh, and the Law and Orders were starting to really pick up. Yeah. And it it tickles that fancy, as it were. It's not the show that I thought it was watching the commercials. And it's, it's to the positive. Because I didn't want to watch gimpy lady jumping around and talking into the machine. That's all I thought it was. Had Didn't realize it had anything to do with, you know, any form of military at all. Any police. I just thought it was lady running around on in her bathing suit at night with a gun. <laughs> I mean, to be so fair, be, some of it is that. <laughs> yeah, some of it is indeed that. It is a that nine-zero mount. Yes, I would. I would rate this at least an eight. There's a reason this Ooh. is such a popular uh, show. I never gave it the time of day just because of my own preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. We should definitely watch the movie then if you like this show. I really did. Yeah, we should. Uh, maybe we'll do that as like a in betweeny uh, break. I don't think we did gotcha. one between our first two tiers, did we? 
No. Nope, I don't believe oh, so. Sorry, we're in the third tier. Man, we've done a lot of this <laughs> show already. Wow. I could yeah. just reopen the theater and put it back up there. I could just do that someday. Um, I would. I do plan on at least watching the standalones. I'm going to break it up myself and I'll... I still have shows to watch otherwise. I'm not <laughs> caught up on anything. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to add this to my queue. Awesome. Thanks so much because... But, I think... I, I actually, I wanted to say this because I was thinking about all the shows you have liked and how you haven't gotten around to certain ones. Yeah. And by no means is that a criticism. If anything, Bob, you are getting the genuine anime viewer experience of <laughs> I have a backlog now of things to watch. And that is truly th- wrestling with, like myself, I am watching certain anime that are currently airing seasonally, specifically part two of season one of uh, Gundam Witch from Mercury and my my personal favorite uh ancient magus bride season two and there are things other shows i want to watch this season but man i ain't got the time for them anymore especially you know being an older person than i was you know 18 19 when i could just pound through them all so this is something i can tell you is a real thing for anime viewers and i'm glad you get to have this experience because there is a certain joy at one point like what am i gonna watch Right. This is here waiting for me. Let me go to that. Mm-hmm. The nice thing for me is watching just the standalone. It's like watching, you know, turning on your TV at 7 o'clock at any random night, any random channel, and catching said procedural drama or even Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Standalone episodes. You don't have to care what happens at the end. You're just there to enjoy the episode for what it is. Hard agree. Yeah. The fact that we did it out of order, you watched episode 12 and episode 1, they could have been swapped and I would have been fine. Yeah, exactly. I, I think this the show, like, I don't remember, like, the Laughing Man arc being bad by being, like, a, a serial no. rather than standalones, but, like, I definitely prefer it as, like, a law and order, yeah. What a weird thing to say, but it's true. Yeah, like a, like a law and order with a lot of caveat asterisks attached. Uh-huh. Yes. If Law and Order were set in the future and had Mind Speak and not and propaganda, robots. yep. <laughs> um, what What do you mean? Defense attorneys aren't the villain. Now here's the hard one, and I already know the answer. This is not a robot waifu because she is not a robot. <laughs> what? Mm, yeah, her no. body is completely robotic, Bob. Cybernetic, but you know what I mean. But her, she's a cyborg. But, yeah, she she are cyborg. Which is, you can't have robots without having cyborgs somehow. Don't ask me to explain. Just, that's the rule. She's deeply a good character. A very good lead. Mm-hmm. It's refreshing that she's a very strong a female lead who isn't... Regardless of how she dresses, I never sexualized <laughs> her. Which, duh. But <laughs> I never looked at her and thought, why is she... Well, at first I was like, why is she wearing that? But then... I just didn't care. I more cared about her character. Yeah. I will also make the argument for our android anime waifus. Melfina is a cybernetic android. She does have biological components. Right. But she's an android. Yeah, she didn't start as a person. Okay, fair (laughs) enough. If that's where we're drawing line. What is personhood? Something that she would ask. It's a human, human turning to android or android turning to human. Data Cy- is a robot. Cyborg 
the definition of cyborg lines in the conversion process. If you were a person and turned into a robot, you were a cyborg. If you were, if you were a robot from the beginning, even if you were sort of biological, you're an Android. Yep. All right. I'll, I'll put away TNG season. Was it season one episode (laughs) Uh measure of a man? Mm-hmm. Listen, Fine. let's let's break out the Robin Williams bicentennial man. Right. <laughs> that listen, he he died a man, but he was an, a right. man. He was a mandroid by the end. Okay, listen, we have to I was move. Just, I was just thinking that. But um, here, I'll I'll derail us here. Bob, how about that <laughs> intro though? Um. Oh so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It start and it's slow, and I'm like, oh great, it's gonna be one of these. And uh-huh. then there's just that undercurrent of a beat. And it's just, you still get the slow music with the beat, and I don't know why, but that triggered something in me. Doesn't it? It gives you, like, a sense of urgency that's calm, and I don't know how to explain it better than that. I yeah. almost feel like... This that's a, like, the... Terminator persistence, where it's, like, just continually moving towards your goal, but not necessarily at a fast You want to be peaceful, but you feel like, what's going to happen? <laughs> what's going to and I'm just talking about the music. The, right. the visual style, I did not care for the intro at all. The, if I wanted to play a PlayStation 2 game, I would play a PlayStation yes. 2 game. Yes, yes, yes. better than most PlayStation 2. Well, but it, I will say this, the, I still like it, personally. It is the... It's a picture of its era. Pre-rendered yes. full-motion video from a PS2 game is exactly what it is. Like, You're not wrong. Oh, God. I still love it. Um, I, I, I like how you described it, Bob, and I love Joe's uh, description, too, of the Terminator. Um, I like almost like it starts slow. Like, you got to start slow. You have this thing, and then the rising action, and then the action of the episode. Like, that sort of encapsulates the whole of the Laughing Man incident. We just kind of start off slow, and things just escalate. Hmm. And, and you've got that so quick confirmed. rhythm. Getting, yeah. It's so good. I will put it at five. Right in the middle. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, Above or below? Does Trigon move down then, in your opinion? I believe that means Trigon moves down. Yes, Trigon does. Okay, I just want to confirm that. This becomes number five. Yes. Ironically, since she is alive. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, here's here's my question. Uh-huh. We are, we already decided about uh, uh, Android waifus that is yeah, disqual- yeah. disqualified. Maybe if we wanted to put one of the geishas on there, I think we didn't see her in any of these episodes. But uh, Section Nine does have like a specific typist android where yeah. her hands break open and she yeah, goes from do. ten fingers oh, into like a yeah, hundred yeah. fingers, like one finger for each key on the keyboard. Milky with hands. why is she still using a keyboard if she could just plug in or something? Um, yeah. I would. Uh, I would say she would rate on the list, but... Um, now, I, I personally don't feel this way because I see them more as a protect than a waifu, but mm-hmm. do the Tachikomas count? Well, I was going to say, do the Tachikomas count as uh, the horse <gasps> I mean, I'm, of this I'm show? I'm for it. I'm for it. I, I mean, the, the little girl did ride it. Yeah, they are, they are ride on, they are well, steed, they are separate characters. To that point, Bob, the big pod on the back... Is uh-huh. for someone to be in. So okay, maybe they're a little closer to a camel because they got the hump on the back. But also, they have six legs. They really are I more just like. Love their... It's a spider like, horse they... tank. 
tip, tip, tip along, but then also they've got wheels in their feet, so they can just go vroom. They they have heelys. They have okay. We on our list of horses, we have a horse that turns into a Gundam. Yeah, no, no, a horse that pilots a Gundam. <laughs> we also do already have a Vespa. We do have a Vespa, and this yeah. is like the best oh of both God. worlds because it's anthropomorphized. It's not just a strict vehicle; it also has a. If anything, that's more horse. <laughs> and I would put it above Onyx because it also, not to be that guy, it also has guns, but it has armor. It's defensible is what I'm getting at. I oh, guess for me, the best horse. The only holdback I have is it is automatically smart. With two of our horses, we just, actually three of them, we just assume they're regular horses that do above average things. You know, yeah, regular horse that knows how to instinctively operate a Gundam. Or the horse that, you know, drives in a, a operates the elevator. Mm-hmm. I, I could accept that over the Gundam. Oh my god. Okay, so we're saying disqualified because too smart to be horse? <laughs> I don't know. I, it's a tough question, right? Account- I feel like we're going to encounter smart horses at some point. I don't know. I don't know your guys' list, but I feel like somewhere we're going to have a walking, talking horse. Do you going to pop in. Nick, do you want to tell him about the horse racing anime? The waifu horses? No, I don't. I want to save that as a secret. Okay. <laughs> He'll forget. Don't worry. Right, I, I will, but... Um... Um... I can see at least like two horses on our list, so we'll have to see about it. Um I don't know. I would put Tachikoma above the Vespa below Onyx. Uh how dare you? Onyx is not a walking talking tank. Here I did wheels can be. Here's and the has th- existential crises. Here's the thing. Uh Tachikoma, first of all. Never seen it use an elevator. It always just drives up the side of the building like a dumbass. Second of all... <laughs> I was going to say, that makes it better. It doesn't have to wait. No matter how many guns or armor Tachikoma has, a Tachikoma does not have to put up with freaking Andy nonstop. So I think Onyx has a little more respect just for the the, <laughs> the emotional labor of dealing with Andy. I mean... <laughs> I get that, but this thing did spend its whole day dealing with a literal, actual child, which is arguably... That's one day. I mean, that's still a lot. And it's pampered by Bato. She was nice to it. She she taught it manners. Do we need to just have a a pet listing now, not just a horse? (laughs) Oh, uh, mm. I think that would make it a little bit harder, and then we'd have to revise with past pets. Yeah. And does Ayn count as pet if he's part of a team? God. If he's the actual brains of the team. The, what was the, sh- the the ships in Outlaw Star? Like the robot? Oh, uh, Be- because, Gilliam. Gilliam yeah, 2. Because they write on the Outlaw Star, does Gilliam count as a horse? Yes. <laughs> All right, Which makes I'm- Gilliam better than Onyx because it can go through space. I'm I'm just gonna write down some things here. We'll we'll discuss this another day because this is honorary horses. A touch coma, uh, yeah. Honorary horse tier. Horse runner yeah. ups. Runner horse runner ups. Runner up. yes. Almost horse. Runner runners up because horses run. Yeah. And this is a un uh, unordered list. Okay. 
All right, all right. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> the things we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I believe that brings us to our last matter for the show. Yeah, yes. we should probably get that going because we need to play the graduation music for Bob. There is no graduation <laughs> music. You have graduated, Bob, to the next tier of anime. You have completed the late night Toonami tier and have graduated to the old head anime tier. Oh, I'm so happy. We're finally here. I'm so happy. Two of my favorites <laughs> old, on this list are right here. Old head anime tier? In other words, older anime that are maybe staples, kind of like Bebop. Okay. Or, um, I would say Trigun and Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah, but like, gone a little old, older than that for some of them. Well, one of them is around the same time frame. Actually, it's in well, the late 90s, but. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what the, the latest one on here is. Like, Mid nineties at the latest or something. Well, let's say uh, the the one the one that is mine at the end of the list, uh-huh. um, which we'll have to now screw up which order we release these into Bob. Um, that one was ninety nine. I want to say. Oh wow! That's oh, later wow. than I thought. Okay. Let me double check that real quick because I have a window open. Is this one uh, in the wrong tier? Anyway, <laughs> that's not important. Let's uh, who's who's going to read off the taglines? I I will. Alright, so you have four choices in the old head anime tier. You have Spin Kick a Dinosaur. You have, man, remember all those classic robot anime? What if we did those two? You have, Be Gay, Revolutionize the World. Or, you have, The Ancient Art of an Assassination Passed Down for Generations, Savior of the 22nd Century. Holy cow, that last one. Um, uh-huh. I'm going to save the one that I want to for last, so it's hard not to enjoy spin-kicking a dinosaur. Yes! Yes! I'm oh, excited have, for this because this is one selected. I haven't seen. Oh, God. Okay. You have selected Neo-Getter Robo versus Shin-Getter Robo. So we're back in the world of giant robots, but they are not Gundams. They are so, and this was a. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, should we get these? No, got the other magazine. Those are kind of expensive. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Oh, okay. well, so like, I'm pretty sure Getter predates Gundam. It feels like it does. I, you know what? I'm not gonna talk out my butt right now. Uh, the the thing that's gonna make this uh interesting is that. Shin Getter versus Neo Getter is technically a uh, three episode OVA, so oh. we're probably just going to watch the entire thing. That's it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Cool. I am so excited. I love this. Okay, so the Getter Robo anime preceded Gundam by about five years. Yeah. There we go. Ah, uh, grandfather robots. <laughs> Okay, so we have that to look forward to. Do we have anything else to say uh, for this week? Uh, yeah, drink drink more all-natural, ethically sourced oil. Get your organic oils going. All right, uh, and on that note, uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. We will see you next time on Deep into Weaves. Later. Anime.
Deep in the Weebs is a show by Chuck, Nick, Joe, and Bob. Our theme music is Kawaii Friends by Cotty 3 You can find our show on YouTube or subscribe to the audio-only version on iTunes or wherever podcasts are served. You know, of the episodes we watched, we didn't actually get to um, the Major having a big old booty. I mean, we got that one shot of her ass while she was standing in the office talking to uh, yeah. our, Aramaki. Our, our, our oh. man. It, she's the very curvaceous. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, how functional can you be with a wedgie that deep? But then remembering that her body's not really a body, maybe it doesn't affect one in that way. I'm just going to look real quick, because there's, like, one specific shot. Yeah, here it is. Uh, here. Uh. <laughs> this is, this is in the show. Oh. <laughs> just. <laughs> <laughs>